I consider it a real joy and a privilege to be able to share with you today. You'll have to excuse me, I may have a little bit of jet lag still lingering in my mind. Uh, some people ask me if I am uh, just how I handle jet lag, and I would say it's pretty well a normal experience in my life. I feel like I'm jet lagged every day now that I'm getting older. But uh, particularly, it does take longer to, uh, to deal with the jet lag. Perhaps I should, uh, because I know it's a holiday weekend and there are some people here who maybe don't know me. Um, my name is Howard Moore. My wife, Karen, and myself, we live in Stonewall. We used to live in Stonewall many years ago. As a matter of fact, uh, Karen was raised in Stonewall. She went to school here and all the schools that our grandkids are going to, our two granddaughters are going to now, Karen's been there. She went through it all of that. I came later and I actually was an associate pastor at the church here for a few years. And then God called us to go to France and we were in France for 18 years. Then in 2004, we came back to Canada, but we didn't come and settle here. We settled closer to Toronto in the town of Oshawa, and I became the director for the mission agency that we had been in France with until uh, two years ago, we moved back here. But this church has always been a very much a part of our lives. Karen got to know Jesus through this church. She learned a lot in the church here about Jesus as she was growing up, and it became a very special place for me for ministry. This church always supported us while we were away, always a great encouragement, and of course it was wonderful that our kids moved back to Manitoba, and uh, one of them chose to, of course, uh, marry somebody who was real close in the church, and they are now part of the church and have been for a number of years. And so this church has always been very close to us. And I consider it a real privilege to be able to share the word of God with you today. Now, I've just come from uh, an overseas experience. So if you wanna turn this on, I actually have been away for a month. I don't recommend that. I'm not sure if I'll do it again, but it was an absolutely wonderful experience. Karen and I were in Germany, and we attended a conference related to our organization, and it was a marvelous experience we had together. We were there for a week. She flew home, and I, f I took the train, the high-speed train, by the way, 300, over 300 kilometers an hour, loved it, especially in France, and of course, I'm really high on France. Um, more than Germany, because in Germany we only did 280 kilometers an hour. <laughs> but in France we did over 300. It was moving. I actually took a video out of the window if you want to see it. Because don't ever say to somebody, look at that, forget it. <laughs> it's too late. You'd have to be looking at it right away already. Went to Paris, which is my favorite city. By the way, if you want to see some latest pictures of Notre Dame, what a sad situation. But they're working on it, get it back up again so that we can go and visit it. Right now you can't get very close to it at all. But my main reason for being in France is that I went down to the French Alps and I received a team that flew into Lyon, not too far, and a team of people from Canada 
and we ministered at a camp, and we were there for two weeks, and I just returned from that. A wonderful experience. I wish, I'd had the, I wish I had the chance to tell you about it. It moved me tremendously. But I just want to show you a few things. Let's see, how do I do this? There we are, okay. Um, that's a kind of where we were, right in the French Alps, right on the side of a mountain. Now, I know this doesn't look like Manitoba. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Saskatchewan, but <laughs> no, I guess not, actually. It was wonderful to be there. That's what was outside my window. That's what I saw every morning. Uh, these are some other things that I saw. I took these, persons, these, these pictures myself, by the way. I didn't hire somebody else to take them. Here's a view of the mountain just across the valley from the camp. And that's the big lodge that I got the privilege of staying in during family camp. Here are some of the other buildings that we had. And of course, what's the use of camp if there aren't people? And this was family camp. Many of you have experienced family camp. They have two weeks of family camp in France. It's a great opportunity to get to know each other. Some of these dear people. Some of our team members didn't speak French but that was okay because a lot of the French spoke English. And the bonding was more than I had prayed for. It was amazing. Here's one of the families. By the way, this man's a pastor ministering in France. And this is part of the family, this is part of the service team. You can't likely see a lot of that, but I'm in there and uh, a number of Canadians, Americans, and one Dutch that were there ministering, servicing in the family. It was a wonderful experience, and uh, it reminded me of a number of different things, but I unfortunately won't have the time to share that with you today, because um, actually, uh, Rusty sent me an email while I was in my room in that lodge asking me if I would consider speaking to you this morning. And I was moved with the opportunity to be able to do it and uh, have been thinking a lot about what to, what to say. Well, this is a special weekend. It's a September long weekend. It's always a special moment, uh, excitement. I remember when we were in France, our kids were getting ready to go to school. They'd get their what we call cartable, their, their big, uh, well, they don't have them here in Canada, do they? Kind of, it's not the same kind of thing. You see kids walking along about this, this size, and they'd have this great big thing on their back with all of their books that they had to take, and they had to take them every day. Uh, it's really quite the thing to see in France, but it's very similar in Canada. Kids go back to school, and it's an opportunity for us to maybe during this weekend to just step back a little bit from daily life and just reflect a little bit on a bigger picture. And that's what I'd like to do today. I'd like you from the Word of God that we just take some time to see the bigger picture. How does God see life and what's happening here in this world? And then it helps us to get some focus 
When I was in France at the camp, right on the side of the mountain, as I said, and there's some, lots of forest area, and then as you could see, there's areas that are on the face of a rock that there are no forests at all. And not too far from the camp, there is an old Roman road. Now when they say Roman road, they truly mean it was Roman. They say that the Roman army actually went through that area. That's how they went from Italy up into southern France or into France, would have been through this road. It's an old road, and it goes right by the camp. So one of the things that we would do is go and walk on that Roman road. And it's very interesting because you would walk right from where the camp is, you walk through the wooded area. So you'd be kind of climbing up, but you'd be walking through wooded area, be all covered. It actually got dark by about four in the afternoon because already the sun has gone over the mountain. But at the same time, there was even less light coming in. It was actually quite dark. And you'd be groping along, walking up this, and then every once in a while, there'd be an opening and you'd go through the opening and you could walk up just a few feet and you would see the mountains. And it just helped you to get perspective of what was there. Beautiful situation and yet walking through the woods, I wouldn't see it. And it kind of reminds me of what needs to happen for us from time to time, is that in the midst of the daily grinding of life, and we're gonna be making a change soon. You people will be going through a change. School starts. It's kind of no longer vacation time, and we're moving into a new year in many ways. And soon it becomes just a daily grind. Well, I think it's important for us just to take a moment to see the bigger picture and just to realize and to meditate on that and think, okay, how does that affect me as I want to step ahead into this new year? I've entitled my message this morning, Blessed to be a Blessing. And there are two main points that I want to share with you today that I think are found throughout the whole scripture. I think it's a thread or two threads that go through the whole scripture that I want you to go away with today, and I trust it will be an encouragement to you, but I trust it'll be a challenge for you as well. And it will, it will be a starting point for you to think differently. Maybe just a little adjustment in your life, maybe a major adjustment in your life. I'm not sure where it'll take you. Now, we're gonna start at the beginning. And so I would like to start at the very beginning of the Bible. We're just gonna, we're gonna take a few passages throughout the whole Bible and just walk it through. I've got the passages up here. You can look up in your Bible if you want to. We're gonna start with God at the very beginning. Some of you know the book of Genesis. Some of you may not have had that much exposure to it. But actually where I'm going to land for these first few verses is in Genesis chapter 12, the 12th chapter of Genesis. But I want you to get the picture. Genesis 1 and 2, many of you have read this, you know this quite well. Genesis 1 and 2 is, is the story of creation. 
from two different perspectives, the story of creation. Genesis 1 has one perspective, Genesis 2 is the other. Genesis 3, immediately, we have the fall. And the fall of man, which affected all of creation, that happens already in Genesis chapter 3. It looks like God's plan has been destroyed. God begins the plan to restore. So you have Genesis 3, Genesis 4, and what happens is sin enters into the world and you begin to see the results of it and then God said, you know what, I'm gonna send a flood and you remember the story of Noah. Noah and his family, they get into the flood. There's a destruction of all of mankind except for Noah and his family and it's almost like a re-beginning, okay? A new beginning. Things start off again but Unfortunately, because of the fall, we know it's gonna happen sooner or later, bingo. Man is off again, doing their own thing, rejecting God. And it, it looks almost hopeless, but then in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to a man, and he gives a plan, and he says, here's my plan. Well, let's look at the plan. The initial revealing of God's global restorative plan. Genesis chapter 1, 12, 1 to 3. Let's just read, I'll read it. The Lord had said to Abram, I'll look over here and see it. Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. The thing that really strikes me about this, I don't think Abraham even knew this God before. He was likely raised in a family where they had a bunch of idols. So I don't think he even knew who this God was and God was gonna show him who he was. But God spoke to him and said, I want you to go from this country, I want you to go from your people, and I want you to go from your father's household to the land I will show you. So he started him on this road. But notice what he says, the promises given to Abraham change the world. I will make you into a great nation. Wow. And we immediately think of Israel. Don't stop there. I will bless you. I will make your name great. By the way, Abraham is recognized as the father of three major religions, if you want to call religions. Islam, Judaism, Christianity. They all point back to him as being a father, a very important father, patriarch. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. These are important three verses. God lays out his plan. He speaks to a man who still doesn't really know him. And he said, this is the plan. This is my plan, I have no other. And throughout all of the centuries, to this very day, and continuing on, this is the plan. I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you, 
And he goes on to say in, the, in a couple of chapters after, I will bless your seed, or as we say more appropriately today, your descendants. I will bless your descendants. And then what does he say? All the peoples of the earth. Oh, just a minute. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God starts with one individual. He emphasizes a little later that it's through his descendants, but he says the end result, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the plan. That's the plan. The plan begins to unfold in this descendants of Abraham. At that point, the children of Israel. And some of you know that story very well. By the way, if after you read about the book of, or you read about Abraham in the book of Genesis, you will find that when he moves on to some of the other people that are recorded in the book of Genesis, like Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and even Moses and Joshua and so forth, you know what? He keeps pointing back to Abraham. He says, remember, I am the God of Abraham and I was the one who gave him the promises. So it emphasizes over and over and over and over and over again, this is the foundation. And as the nation of Israel is being formed in Egypt, and as the nation of Israel comes out under Moses with the Exodus and they move into the promised land, it's back to that foundation and it's back to the promise. You will be blessed and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. The next time that this really comes up clear in the children of Israel is in Exodus chapter 19. It happens many times, but I, I want to emphasize the verses four to six of Exodus 19. I will read this. You yourselves have seen what I did to, in Egypt. This is God speaking to the people and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. By the way, we often sing, and Steve Bell, I know, has a song about eagle's wings being carried on eagle's wings. It comes from this passage. It originates from this, not only this one, because it's mentioned in Psalms as well. How I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commandment, uh, covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Out of all the nations of the world, Israel is God's treasured possession. Jewels. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you speak to the Israelites. This is what God wanted to emphasize to Israel. Now they were descendants of Abraham, so it makes sense. Two things, you are blessed 
because you are a treasured possession. And then secondly, he says you're a kingdom of priests. Now that's a strange thing to say to a nation because Israel went on to establish because of the, of the uh, law that was given later at Sinai, they actually assigned a tribe and some people out of a tribe to be priests. So if there were only certain people who were priests, why on earth would God say, you as a nation are a kingdom of priests? It's because their priesthood was different than the priesthood within their group. See, they had priests, Aaron and his sons were priests, and they were the ones who operated between God and the rest of Israel. So they did, they were involved with the sacrifices, they were kind of like a mediator. But God says, not only are you my treasured possession, I have given you a responsibility. You are like priests. Well, to who? to the rest of the world, to all the nations. See, God is just fulfilling what he planned. You are blessed. All the nations of the world will be blessed through you. So you're blessed, but you will be a blessing to others. That was the responsibility of Israel. That's what God wanted for Israel. So if you think in the Old Testament that God was just concerned about caring about Israel, he didn't care about any of the other nations, wrong, wrong. God cared for the nations. He did from the beginning. He always does care about the nations. But he sees Israel as a precious jewel to reflect and to share the blessing with the whole world, all nations. That's been God's plan from the beginning. Started with Abraham, went into the people of Israel, and has carried on through that. He says you're a holy nation. A holy nation doesn't just mean that you're a righteous nation or a pure nation. And of course they weren't a pure nation. There were many times the prophets told them how impure they really were. But the word holy also means set apart. You're set apart for a special responsibility. God had given them a special responsibility. That's what God emphasized for the children of Israel. So the two characteristics of Israel that I want to emphasize to you today that are important is, first of all, they had a privileged position, but then they had a significant responsibility. We don't have the time to go through it, but I, wanted, I can demonstrate to you in a number of different places where Israel, what happened was, they became really excited about the first one, and they dropped the second one. And one of the clearest examples of that, and we won't have time to go through it, but you can look it up in Mark. In the book of Mark, when Jesus, and he did this, it's recorded in three different gospels, but the one in Mark, I want to really emphasize. Jesus, just before he went to the cross and died, remember he went to the temple. And remember what he did? He cleansed the temple. It was one time where we really saw the Lord express anger when he turned over all those tables and things like that. And a lot of times people don't quite get the full significance of what he was trying to emphasize there. But in the book of Mark, 
Jesus said, shame on you for doing this because this is to be a place of prayer for all nations. Because you know where they set all those tables up? It was in the area, it was called the Court of the Gentiles. By the way, it wasn't just a little thing like this. Most people think that it was actually the equivalency of 12 football fields. So I hear there's gonna be a big football game this afternoon in Regina. And uh, just think of that football field, 12 of them. That was the courtyard for the Gentiles. God established the temple so that the Gentiles could come, the non-Jews, because he had a heart for them. He wanted them there. So what were they doing? They were setting up their tables to sell the the sacrifices that the Jews could use to go in there. And Jesus emphasized, among other things, he emphasized also, you're failing your responsibility even to the point where you don't allow an opportunity for the Gentiles to come and have a house of prayer. In my temple, how dare you? Emphasized again just how important God saw the responsibility for the children of Israel. Psalm 76, uh, 67, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to make this go quicker here. Notice what it says here. This is seen as a wonderful psalm to see what God has in mind. May God be gracious to us. This is a psalmist. It doesn't say it was David, so we just know it's a psalmist. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his fame shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The psalmist is praying out God's plan. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy and you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. The Lord yields its harvest. God, or the land yields its harvest, excuse me. God, O God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Somebody got it right. That's what God wanted. That's what God wanted. Well, God continues his plan today. In Galatians chapter 3, 6 to 9, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go a little fast. This is what Jesus said, or this is what Paul says. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Church, children of Abraham, that's us. We're children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. By the way, do you want to know whether the gospel is in the Old Testament or not? It's even with Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what has happened in Jesus Christ, the plan comes to focus, and then through Jesus Christ, 
it even gives up greater impus, input and impetus, and now, or, or imp, well, anyway, power. <laughs> and basically, what is happening now is through Jesus Christ, this is spreading around the world, the responsibility. And those of us who have responded to Jesus, you are a cherished inheritance in God, with God. And God's plan will be accomplished in the future. Let me just quickly go to this. Revelation chapter seven, nine to 10. After this, I looked, this is John. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to God. They're not saying God needs to be saved and now he's saved. That's not what he's saying. Salvation belongs, praise be to God for the salvation. Praise be the one who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Now that's the picture that God desires. And it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. One of the most precious moments that I've had in fellowship and praise together was what happened in the last two weeks when I was at a camp in the French Alps with 80 French people, several families, scattered from all over France, many of them living in situations where there's very few Christians around them who have the same convictions they have. We came together and we had fellowship, we praised God in song, and I'll tell you, it was, it was rich. Now, of course, I've lived there. I guess that's what affects me so much. It just touched my heart because France is such a difficult place in many ways. It's hard to explain. It's a wonderful country. I love it. But you know what the greatest social problem in France is? Loneliness. People are lonely. Suicide is terrible there. And, and unless you have this group of people that are bound together because of family or whatever it is, many people suffer in loneliness. But when I was there, there was no loneliness there. It was amazing, kids and adults and everybody, you know, all the kids had aunts and uncles all around them, they hugged each other, they cared for each other, they prayed for each other, and I just thought, man, what God can do in the hearts of people. It's amazing how he can change people right across this world in every culture, and that's what he's doing, and that's what he desires to do. That's what he's, want, he's longing to do. The reality today is that God's plan is not yet accomplished. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, he said in the future, concerning the future, and this gospel will, of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. So the end will come once the task is done. But the expectation is that we will respond. 
This is what God says about you. And I want to just really focus on this one for a minute. You are a chosen people. Now, sometimes what happens is when we read a passage like this, it's, it's about a group of people, okay? And we fail to personalize it. But I want to personalize it. You are a chosen person. You are a royal priesthood. Oh, just a minute, I heard that already. A, a kingdom of priests, that's exactly the same phrase. Just translators changed it just a little bit, but it's not really a change. You're a priest. You're a holy nation. Oh, we heard that before. So what Peter is saying is, what Israel was, you are now. God's special possession. I just want us to sit on that one for a minute. I don't know where you are this morning. You may be battered and beaten because you're very aware of your failings. You're very aware of your sinfulness. Jesus loves me. I'm a valued person in the eyes of Jesus. And if there's nothing else that sticks from what I want to share this morning, you are a treasured possession. Don't you ever forget it. I did some things this week that I'm not proud of. And I feel at times, will God forgive me? He does. Because I'm, I'm treasure. I'm a jewel in his eyes. I don't see it. I would think he should throw me away. But he doesn't. And the same is for you. You are a treasure. And if you need to hear that this morning, hear it. But you also have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to pass on this blessing to others. We have been blessed, but to pass it on to others. And we should be concerned as God is concerned that the whole world knows about the blessing and can experience the blessing. That's our responsibility. But how on earth do we do it? And I know because I, I feel the same way. I live here in Canada now. And so how can I make, how, how, God, how, how can I help be a blessing to the whole world, all nations? How, how can I do it? I live in Stonewall. What are we, 7,000 people? I don't have a lot of money. I mean, how are we going to do it? But, you know, if every one of us just commit to do something and ask God what that something is, I think the plan is God says, I'll use it all and I'll get the job done. Just be a kingdom of priests. So I got thinking, what's a helpful grid to just understand how we should do that? Well, as I think about it, when it comes to the kingdom, I think there's likely three things. There may be more, but I, I think of three things. Number one, prayer. What a privilege. 
What a privilege. There are so many passages. I just looked up the James passage again that says the prayers of a righteous man accomplishes much. Do you believe that? Of course, most of you look at it and say, but I'm not righteous, so I guess that excludes me. By the way, just to let you know, the word righteous there likely means someone who is in the family. Hopefully you're seeking to live a righteous life, but it doesn't mean you have to be perfectly righteous in order for your prayers to make any kind of effect. But it seems to me what James is saying there, I just wanna remind you, if you are in Christ, your prayers have a tremendous effect. Now it's hard to believe that because just my words, you're praying and it just, you know, it doesn't make an effect, it does. It does. God invites us to pray. He says, I want you to come to the throne. I want you to bring the requests. I want you to come and pray. As a matter of fact, Jesus, he didn't tell us a lot of things to pray for, but one of the things he said for is pray for workers. That's in Luke chapter 10, verse two. And in order to help me, as a matter of fact, I have, and maybe some of you have heard it already, I have an alarm that goes off, not on Sunday morning because I don't want to bother Rusty when he's preaching, but at 10.2, now that's before Rusty preaches usually, but at, at 10, two minutes after 10 every morning except Sunday morning, I've got a program so it doesn't do it Sunday morning, my alarm goes off. Oh, that's rather mechanical, but it's to remind me because I forget. And so I just stop and pray. God, send workers into the field, wherever they are. Just, just send them, Lord. You asked me to do this, so I do it in the name of Jesus. Just praying, doing different kinds of prayer. By the way, some of you may wonder, how on earth can you ever pray for people overseas, around the world? Well, there's a number of things. Number one, if you're connected with a missionary, then pray for them. Just somehow set it up so that you remind to pray for them. But there's also apps now, you know, and I'm one of these old fogies. I have a hard time getting apps to work properly. But I got one that actually works. It must be really simple because it works for me. And uh, it's called the Unreached per People Group of the Day. It comes out by Joshua Projects, I believe it is. And every day it pops up an un um, Unreached People Group. There are over 7,000 of them around the world, by the way, people groups that are unreached, basically. And uh, these are groups who basically have, not, have no gospel witness or almost nobody who is a believer. Uh, the one today is a group in India. Over two million people, as far as they know, no gospel witness. They don't think there's any believers in that whole group. They're Muslim. So I prayed for them this morning. It actually gives me a couple of prayer requests, and I prayed for them, and I think, oh, that is so simple. Does it really make a difference? And then I'm reminded that's what God asked us to do, is to pray. So there are, there are ways in which we can do it. Praying for our community, maybe selecting four or five people that are your business associates or your neighbors and, and, and just praying for them, disciplining yourself to pray for them regularly. That's one way we can make an impact. God, bless the nations. I want to be used to bless the nations. I can do it through prayer. Giving. 
I think you're aware of the fact that we live just by the fact that we're born in Canada. We're in the top level of the richest people in the world. I just want you to remember that. Because you know what I do? I compare myself to my neighbor. And I think he got a new car, so, well, I don't have to get a new car, but maybe I should get a better car but not spend as quite as much money as him because then I'm not rich or, you know, we get all these kinds of silly things in our mind. Are we ready to commit to what God's heart is all about? And that's all I'll say. Whatever that turns out to be in your life and in going. God's still in the process of challenging people to go. There are some of these unreached people groups that likely Canadians, it's not best for them to go. It would be better to have a group that's kind of closer who would go, so we pray that that would happen. But maybe there are many parts of the world where Canadians still can have a great impact. I was contacted when I was in France by a leader of a mission agency he was the top leader, international leader, who said, you know, can you get some Canadians to come with us and minister to us in one of the Middle East countries? Because he says, they'll let Canadians in, but they won't let Americans in. We are very privileged. We can do that. And God is calling people to do that. But God also calls us just to go across the street and to be a blessing to others as well. So some take homes. Reevaluate your aspirations and plans for this coming year in light of God's restorative plan. What will you do this year to participate in God's plan? What will you start doing this week to live out that plan? Because I'm gonna tell you this, you know this already, many of you do. Just to say you're gonna do it today doesn't mean you're gonna do it because there's only 24 hours in a day. There's only 60 minutes in an hour. And you're already doing something in all of those minutes. You're gonna to have to decide if you continue to do the same thing in those minutes or whether you will make a change. But you're gonna to have to decide to change. And you're gonna to have to discipline yourself to actually make changes. It, it makes sense, right? There's nothing new. It's the way it is. But sometimes that's really what it comes down to, is downright discipline. I, I'm, I'm terrible at praying, I really am. I, I just, I'd rather go do than pray. I'm just one of those people. And I have to discipline myself to calm down and sit down and pray. And so that's my discipline that I need to keep working on. So my challenge to you is, in light of what we've gone through about God's plan, just wanted to review it again with you. Some of you have heard it many times. You are blessed for a purpose. Now hang on to blessing. If you need to have that blessing and you need to realize you need to be blessed and you need to sense that blessing, dwell on it, my friends, because it is a reality. God values you, but he values you to be his instruments of blessing to others.
And I challenge you to make sure that that becomes a priority as you move through this year. How can I be a blessing? So that the ends of the earth will know about Jesus and they will be blessed and they will bring praise and glory to the one who started the whole restoration plan in the beginning. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the moving of your spirit in our hearts. Just guide us, direct us, Lord, I pray for your glory. I just want to leave this, this, these words with you and pray, Father, that you would use them for your glory. Be glorified in our lives, I pray. Amen.